God, thank you for your word, um, your living word that uh, uses this written word, these scriptures, um, to guide us and shape us and encourage us, remind us of who we are and who you are. Um, We pray that by your spirit, uh, the words of our mouths, the meditations of our hearts, as we consider your word, um, would be pleasing unto you. And it's the name of Christ that we pray. Amen. Uh, Turn to one person, because we don't have a whole lot of time, maybe two. Share, honesty check, share, don't be too nervous with that, share your favorite comedian. Go. They can be R-rated, be honest. Favorite comedian. Who are some of our favorite comedians? Who are some? Holler them out. Favorite? Ellen DeGeneres. What else? Sorry. Kevin Hart. Jerry Seinfeld. Trevor Noah. What? Celeste Barber. <laughs> One more time. Okay. I'm learning comedians. What else? His mother. Awesome. Awesome. Dave Chappelle. Honesty. Love it. Uh, something about comedians. Something about comedy. Um, that I want us to hold right here for just a minute. All right. Um, great week this week. Um, I was really moved by some of the things that we shared in terms of um, what we're praising God for. Um, Tiffany talked about getting to go to the graduation of Janice, Maria's daughter. Um, and uh, the, for those of you who don't know, Maria is a friend, a neighbor, who we've had just this mutual kind of relationship of um, generosity and love and um, for the obstacles that her daughter Janice would have to overcome to graduate from high school are just, um, just noteworthy. And so to hear about um, her accomplishments, to hear and know the role of um, different people in our church and in their lives is just such a gift and blessing to, to celebrate. Um, um, I'm thankful this week that one of my boys got to hang out with their mentor um, and uh, spend some good time talking about important things. Um, thankful to hear Joel's um, uh, opportunity. He, he's somewhere else, but um, with his TED Talk. Um, thankful um, just, man, for so many things. And, and, and I hear these stories, and we, we celebrate these stories together, and I want us to hold this idea of comedy, and I want us to hold this question of what does it mean to be the chosen people of God? How do we hold our real, actual lives with this, like, um, deep kind of conviction of the people of God, as well as um, kind of the mystery of that um, together? And I think, if I'm not mistaken, Jonah holds both of these, all right? Um, many scholars believe Jonah is a comedy. And we read it last week, and we laughed a lot reading it. 
especially when Kurt came in with his sailor voice, right? Um, so it didn't surprise me as I was kind of studying for today to, to hear that, to go, oh, interesting. Interesting to think about Jonah as a comedy. And if so, let's just go with it today. What, what, what the, how might that help us understand what this book is about, specifically, particularly the first chapter today? Um, and then two, that Jonah is all about this kind of question around what does it mean to be the people of God? And how do we be honest with our experiences and yet hold on to this mysterious conviction that somehow God has elected us, it's a weird word, um, chosen us, the people of God, um, for particular things. Um, so let's read the first chapter of Jonah and let's think about that. And then we'll, we'll just kind of see where we go. Does someone have the clicker? And the Lord is here. Thanks, Peter. Oh, thank you. Um, before, we, before we read Jonah, here's some, here's some good pictures. I found some good pictures of Jonah. This is um, from the Sistine Chapel, Michelangelo. It's like somewhere in the ceiling somewhere. This one, Jonah looks like a middle linebacker. Um, <laughs> being vomited out. Um, this one, Jonah looks pretty cozy. Um, definitely a whale, not a fish. Um, the fish is Jaws in this one. Um, this one was maybe the most terrifying one. Imagining myself kind of like uh, floating there. Um, and then there's this one. This is courtesy of Godly Play. Um, behind this story is this deep call on the people of God that stems way back to Abraham, that is kind of encapsulated in this call, in this scripture passage, where it says, The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your kindred, your father's house, to the land that I'll show you, and I'll make of you a great nation, and I'll bless you, and I'll make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you, and the ones who curse you I will curse, and you and all the families of the earth shall be blessed. There's this deep conviction in the people of God that God has chosen them, and that somehow their particular role in the world is to be blessed by God and to um, cultivate blessing, um, God's blessing in the world. And so that, that's behind um, this story of Jonah. So let's, let's read this uh, together. Chapter 1. The Lord's word came to Jonah, Amittai's son. Get up and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their evil has come to my attention. So Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish from the Lord, which they would know that's like the opposite direction of where God had called him to go. Anne is the only smart one in the room. She's laughing because this is a comedy, all right? Yes. <laughs> Good job, Anna. Um, he went down to Jaffa and found a ship headed for Tarshish. He paid the fare, he went aboard to go with them to Tarshish, away from the Lord. 
But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, so that there was a great storm on the sea. The ship looked like it might be broken to pieces. The sailors were terrified, and each one cried out to his God. They hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to make it lighter. Now Jonah had gone down into the hold of the vessel to lie down and was deep in sleep. The ship's officer came and said to him, How can you possibly be sleeping so deeply? Get up! Call on your God. Perhaps the God will give some thought to us so that we won't perish. Meanwhile, the sailors said to each other, Come on, let's cast lots so that we might learn who is to blame for this evil that's happening to us. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they said to him, Tell us, since you're the cause of this evil happening to us, what do you do, and where are you from? What's your country, and of what people are you? He said to them, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This is funny, people. Get it? Sea, they're in the sea, like water. Like, imagine like a video, right? Okay, come on. This is a tough crowd. <laughs> tough crowd. All right. Um, then the men were terrified and said to him, What have you done? The men knew that Jonah was fleeing from the Lord because he had told them. And they said to him, Good laughter. What will we do about you so that the sea will become calm around us? Awesome. The sea was continuing to rage. He said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm around you. I know it's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. The men rode to reach the dry land, but they couldn't manage it because the sea continued to rage against them. So they called on the Lord, saying, Please, Lord, don't let us perish on account of this man's life. And don't blame us for innocent blood. You are the Lord. Whatever you want, you can do. Then they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea. And the sea ceased its raging. The men worshipped the Lord with a profound reverence. They offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made solemn promises. Um, this is quite literally a great story. The word great is used throughout the book of Jonah. I think it's like 14 times. Nineveh is called great. The wind's called great. The storm's called great. The fear of the sailors, the fish, um, kind of the evil that Jonah finds in God saving the Ninevites, he calls great. Um, it happens over and over and over. So this is a, this is a big, great story for those first readers of, of Jonah. Um, what I was reading about the comedy... Um, was described as tragic laughter. That this is a genre of tragic laughter. Um, Jonah does almost everything wrong in this story. Almost everything wrong. And yet, God's faithfulness and God's kind of vision for what needed to happen continues to play out. Um, Jonah, this, this story is a, a picture of Judah, the southern nation 
of what was Israel. So um, we had Israel, right? And there was 10 tribes um, of Israel in the north and two tribes in the south. Jonah was from the north. The north is taken out by Assyria, and then Babylon comes in and takes out the south as well as um, Assyria also. The Persians come and free the Israelites from Babylon and sends them back to Jerusalem. And so Jonah's story is Judah's story. Jonah was called by God, just like Judah. Jonah did not listen to God, um, just like Judah. Jonah was swallowed up. Judah was swallowed up in exile. Jonah was vomited back up on the sea shore. Judah was vomited back to the rubble of Jerusalem. Um, so there's this comedic element... Um, throughout the story, but there's also these deep memories of empire and the pain that, that is caused by them. Think about current day political humor. Um, think about Jon Stewart and Trevor Noah and Samantha Bee and some of the comedians um, that use our current situation as comedic material. Some of it is super funny, and some of it is only funny because there's serious pain and injustice below the surface. Does that make sense? Um, Jonah's kind of holding this like that um, for us. It's an interesting, funny story, and I get why Jonah ran away from Nineveh. Nineveh was a terrible place. Nineveh was the capital of Assyria that took over Jonah's people. I get it. Um, we can, we can, I think the readers can understand, oh, this is getting at some of the complexities of our life. And because it's getting at some of the complexities of our life, it's, it's getting at this idea of like, I thought we were the called ones of God, and yet we were disobedient, we were swallowed by a fish, we were, are now spit out in a place that is completely destroyed, and we don't really know what it holds. Um, so tra tragic laughter trivializes the enemy, it humanizes the despised other, Think of like all the funny little skits that we do to our presidents, right? The most recent one is like Trump's handshake with the, uh, was it the French guy or whatever? The, and just, it's a humanization, right, of Trump. And we do it for all of our, our presidents. And it's a way for us to like, okay, this, this person who represents something um, for some people uh, is human too. Um, and so what this laughter actually does and what... I think Jonah is about, is it opens up the possibility of a future with hope in spite of 
all of the things that we might see that would, would mitigate against that. Comedy does that for us. Jonah is trying to do that for the people of God. And it provides at-risk communities a lens of hope where survivors can see through the pain that they're feeling as well as beyond into something new and into something hopeful. Um, the part of our story today starts with this. The Lord's world word came to Jonah, Amittai's son. Get up, go to Nineveh, that great city. Cry out against it, for their evil has come to my attention. The story begins with the word of the Lord. And this is not just like, like God, like a little to-do list. Um, like maybe, you know, we give to ourselves or we give to our children or our boss gives to us or, you know, whatever. It's not just like a little to-do list. Hey, the word of the Lord. This, this is something much more um, dynamic than that. And we've talked about this before, so I won't belabor it too much. But to say the word of the Lord is to say there is an energy, a power at work, and that you're a part of it, Jonah. Um, that you don't do this on your own, you don't do this by your own decision or will, but there is something going on that you are wrapped up in. Um, and we profess that every week um, as a body. Um, the, uh, the word comes to Jonah, and the first thing that Jonah says, um, or that is said to Jonah, is get up, arise. And this, too, would be very familiar language for prophets in the Old Testament. Elijah is told over and over, arise, get up. In Ephesians, even, the New Testament, it picks up on this kind of language, that the people of God are invited to rise up. Think about your baptisms. The symbol of your baptism is that you have been invited into this thing that is going on and we, are, we profess with one another, we are going to rise up and live into this vocation of being the people of God, being creatures of a new creation. Um, the, the comedy comes in in the next line and it's also beautifully honest that what does Jonah do? He doesn't rise up. In fact, he goes down, 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 down. And I don't know about you, but when I read that as a comedy, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm all right. I'm in good company here. Um, first, he goes down to Tarshish. You're not going to see all the downs in this translation. He goes down to Joppa to, so that he can go to Tarshish. He, pair, he, he pays the fare, and, and that word aboard is he goes down onto the boat. And then when he's onto the boat, he goes down into the center of the boat. And so the call on Jonah is, rise up. And you're like, yeah, let's do this, rise up. And then he just goes down, down, down. Now we're laughing, this is good. Um, he runs um, from that which he's called to be about. He runs into these sailors, right? Did I skip it? Oh no, there we go. These sailors are great. They, they deserve their own sermon. We can't do that today, but they, they're, they're just great. 
Um, these sailors are terrified. They cry out to, to each of them to their own God. That word hurled is like four times in this story. So God hurls the sea. They hurl the stuff. Jonah says, please hurl me. They say, all right, I'll hurl you. And they hurl him, right? I mean, it's just all over. So these sailors, they're just doing everything they know how to do. First they chuck the stuff because they're like, we want to live, so we'll get rid of this stuff even though it's pretty valuable. Um, then they figure out whose fault this is, right? And once again, the, this casting of lots, where does it fall? It falls on Jonah, just like the word of the Lord fell on Jonah. Um, and so they're like, what, what do we do? And he says, throw me overboard. I, I'm the one who caused this. And what do they do? They start rowing. They're like, no way. We don't want to throw this guy over. So they're rowing and rowing uselessly. Um, finally, they're, they're out of, kind of, at their wit's end, and so they say, all right, we're going to throw him over, but God, before we do this, like, forgive us for this thing that we're about to do, right? And they, they hurl him into the sea. Um, the sailors obey God. The sea obeys God. Um, later, a fish is going to obey God, and a plant is going to obey God. And Jonah goes down, down, down. <laughs> and, and the people of God are Jonah. Um, the final move down is the one I want us to think about just for a few minutes here. Um, and, and next week, in chapter 2, Nicole will look at kind of what this all looked like. But the final move is Jonah... Jonah's kind of repentance, his first, his first moment of repentance. And, and his call is that he would go to Nineveh, who we know from our reading last week, they repent. Repentance is a part of, of this story. Um, it seems that to be the people of God, to live this interesting vocation of being elected or chosen, not, not chosen as special um, or, or chosen as um, exclusive, but chosen as those who love and serve the world, those who profess and name God's work in the world. Um, it seems that those who do that have honest challenges with that call, because Jonah does. He doesn't want to go to Nineveh. I don't blame him. There's calls on all of our lives we do at some level because we have this sense that God has called us to it. There's calls on our church that I think we're, we're kind of grappling with on, wow, what, it, what does it mean to follow faithfully in this day and age as the people of God? Um, and Jonah gives us amazing space to A, be honest about how hard that is sometimes. About, sometimes it doesn't even make sense. Um, and yet the, the word of God, despite our responses, um, will prevail. Will, newness will come. Despite a comedy of errors by God's people um, in a story like this. Um, repentance means change direction. One of the ways that I think our church is repenting this year, um, in that sense, is in our, in our, in our hopes of, of being about anti-racism, um, so that we might be towards gospel life, 
so that we might be towards and live towards um, God's new creation. Um, and, um, you know, it's one thing to kind of, and I think a few weeks ago when, when we had a few people, sh- people share about their experiences with the podcasts that we're, we're watching and some of the reading we're doing, Lauren, and Aaron, um, others, that felt like a, very, like a, a morning of repentance, of, of like, God, we, wanna, we really want to change direction. And it's one thing to say, like, we want to change direction out of, like, a, a people and a way of doing things that, like, is very much characterized by, like, whiteness. Um, if, if you've been doing the podcast, you, that, that kind of fills that word in for us. But basically, um, like, ways of living that have been connected to white culture. Um, and Willie Jennings, who's an African-American scholar, he helps us see that you don't even have to have white skin to participate in whiteness, in ways of being um, that, are, that are shaped by white culture. Um, and so I was thinking, like, okay, what does it mean to repent from that? What does it mean to, like, change directions if we want to do that? Um, and a book that, uh, another book we've suggested, our pastoral team just finished, is um, by Debbie Irving called Waking Up White. And she has this little section um, I would recommend the podcast over the book if you're choosing, but, but she has this little section where she talks about characteristics of white culture or normativity um, or whiteness, like ways of being, um, that is, are especially unhelpful or that hold racial barriers in place. Does that make sense? So, like, this is not a, an exhaustive list of, like, describing white culture, but it's, it's some, some, some ways of being that she notes that especially hold racial barriers in place. Um, and so these are things that I want to, for us to consider, are there one or two of these that, in our own lives, as a church, we might want to change directions? Does that make sense? We wanna, might want to open up a little bit. So some of them are, are this. Um, conflict avoidance. That a tendency to avoid conflict can leave racial barriers in place. And I thought, I want to I repent of that. I want to move in a different direction. Not only with friends who are, my friends who are people of color, but with my, my own family, my own friendships who are, with people who are white also. Like, how do we not avoid conflict? Because we, we want to get better at that so racial barriers um, don't stay in place. Um, valuing formal education over life experience. Um, I praise God for the formal education represented in this building, and I want to change directions a little bit in, in not so valuing um, our formal education over um, life experience. And I know many of us are working at this. Already. A right to comfort. I think this goes deep. I don't think we have time to, to explore this one. But we, in America, um, this is a, it's, it's something that's just deep and is especially deep in, in, a, in a white culture that everyone has a right to comfort, which is not true in the world, right? Um, and so how do, we, how do we maybe change directions from that? Uh, emotional restraint. This was on display in the royal wedding, right? Um, this amazing sermon um, wasn't even the most emotional sermon I've ever seen. Um, certainly probably not what you've seen. And the people were just... Right? 
Now we're laughing, right? We don't want to be... Yeah, right? We, we have an emotional restraint too in, in our body sometimes. Um, and, and I want to repent of that. And I don't know what that looks like. I don't want forced emotion, right? Though I do make you stand a lot when I lead music and I will continue to do so. Um, but we, we want to kind of change directions. Um, belief in one... Belief in one right way. This, this could be linked with like a perfectionism. Like you got to do... You got to make every decision... We, we probably slip into this in diaconal sometimes at my leading. Like, oh my gosh, we're going to spend three hours on this because we have to get it right. When in the end, it's like, did we really have to get it right? Like, would it really have mattered if we got it wrong? Um, so we, we need to change directions, I think. Um, defensiveness. Um, being status-oriented. These are, these are things... That it's, it's one thing to say, I want to repent of racism. And it's another thing to say, hey, I want to change direction in some of these um, behaviors and, and ways of being. Um, and so I hope, like Jonah, we can trust that God's word is alive among us. And that even when we go down, 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 despite God calling us to rise up, God's... By, because of God's just immeasurable grace and mercy, God is not done with us. Um, and um, like Jonah and like the Ninevites, we're invited to repent. We're invited to change directions in some of these ways. Um, Jonah's... The other thing I want to say is... So many things to say. I just want to name that um, mental illness is obviously something that's on everyone's radar right now um, with the just tragic loss of um, Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain. And, and the reality is that those are just celebrities and that's why we know, right? Um, and I think it's really interesting. I, I saw all kinds of statistics in this week as I read on this stuff. 25 to 30% um, over the last 20 years, the suicide rate has climbed um, in our country. And I just can't help but link that. And, I mean, 21 years ago, I got my first email account. And I waited five minutes for ESPN.com to download on my, on my computer so I could read the newspaper on my computer. Um, and... and Things have just exploded, right, since then. Yes, I'm old. I, I know. Um, I want to repent. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> um, now, I'm not going to show emotional restraint on that, right? Yeah. Um, I, wanna, I want us to think about, God, what does it mean for us to repent from not connecting? Like changing directions. How do we, how do we connect more with each other? Um, and I don't have answers or, and we don't have time to like tease that out this moment. But that's a question worth considering. Um, God, how do, we, how do we cultivate life for our young ones, for one another? 
where we're able to connect more. Um, because in a world where you'd think we have the most connection we've ever had, right at the same time, we have these rates climbing. And I have no data to show that those are completely connected, and I have no problem suggesting that there's some connection. Um, Jonah's name, this is great. Jonah's name means dove. Think of the imagery of the dove, right? What does the dove do in Genesis? The dove doesn't make the new creation. The dove doesn't, like, make it happen. Doesn't, like, kind of throw water off the mountain, right? The dove just goes and lands on the new creation. The dove in the New Testament, when Jesus is baptized and comes out of the water, and Jesus rises up like these kids are rising up as they come in, the, the dove just lands on Jesus. And a voice proclaims, this is my son, with whom I am well pleased. Um, Jonah, who screws up the whole way through this thing, is called a dove of truth. Um, and the last thing I want you to, to leave you with, welcome kids, come on in. As I don't think it's by coincidence that the people of Judah, the southern kingdom, they come back from Babylon and they grab onto this story of Jonah. And Jonah is not a prophet from the southern kingdom. He is, oh man, he is a prophet this is so good, you've got you to hang with me on this. He's a prophet from Israel. He's a dove of truth from the people whose very name is defined as those who wrestle with God. Um, I think that's super important. And I think this story gives us lots of room to wrestle with God. Um, to acknowledge, that's Nineveh, why would you call me there? That makes no sense. Um, that's this school or that school. That's this place or that place. Why would you send us there? That makes zero sense. Um, and this story says you're a dove. People of God. You're a dove who flies and names new creation among us um, and who wrestles with God and has permission to do so. Amen? Nicole's going to share from Jonah chapter 2 next week. And we'll continue to look at this comedic character and story. Um, let's pray together and we'll come to the table. God, thank you for um, energy and emotion and life. Thank you for um, comedy that heals us that helps us tell the truth, that gives us hope beyond um, situations in our life that seem, that seem hopeless. Um, in this sense, God, help us to be a prophetically funny community um, in hope and in, 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 in anticipation for your newness um, in us and in this world that you love so much. 
God, as we come to the table today, we, um, we thank you for life. For your son's body and blood that saves us, that redeems us, that calls us to be people who participate in your work. Um, God, may we come to be encouraged, may we come to wrestle with you, may we come to be challenged um, by this grace that is on this table um, in this place. And it's the name of Christ our Lord that we pray. Amen. Amen. As you come, um, come with hearts of repentance. Um, name those concrete things that God might be asking you to just change directions. Um, in, in humor and in, in honesty. Um, I invite you to consider that as you walk forward um, today. Knowing that God's life is here. Um, and God's grace is here.